Welcome to the Daily Bite. I'm your host, Pastor Steve Andrews. Today we read the 31st Psalm. To the choir master, a psalm of David. In you, O Yahweh, do I take refuge. Let me never be put to shame. In your righteousness deliver me. Incline your ear to me. Rescue me speedily. Be a rock of refuge for me, a strong fortress to save me, for you are my rock and my fortress, and for your name's sake you lead me and guide me. You take me out of the net they have hidden for me, for you are my refuge. Into your hand I commit my spirit. You have redeemed me, O Yahweh, faithful God. I hate those who pay regard to worthless idols, but I trust in Yahweh. I will rejoice and be glad in your steadfast love, because you have seen my affliction, you have known the distress of my soul, and you have not delivered me into the hand of the enemy, you have set my feet in a broad place. Be gracious to me, O Yahweh, for I am in distress. My eye is wasted from grief, my soul and my body also. For my life is spent with sorrow and my years with sighing. My strength fails because of my iniquity and my bones waste away. Because of all my adversaries, I have become a reproach, especially to my neighbors, and an object of dread to my acquaintances. Those who see me in the street flee from me. I have been forgotten like one who is dead. I have become like a broken vessel, for I hear the whispering of many terror on every side. As they scheme together against me, as they plot to take my life, but I trust in you, O Yahweh. I say, you are my God. My times are in your hand. Rescue me from the hand of my enemies and from my persecutors. Make your face shine on your servant. Save me in your steadfast love. O Yahweh, let me not be put to shame, for I call upon you. Let the wicked be put to shame. Let them go silently to Sheol. Let the lying lips be mute, which speak insolently against the righteous in pride and contempt. Oh, how abundant is your goodness, which you have stored up for those who fear you, and worked for those who take refuge in you, in the sight of the children of mankind. In the cover of your presence you hide them from the plots of men, you store them in your shelter from the strife of tongues. Blessed be Yahweh! For he has wondrously shown his steadfast love to me when I was in a besieged city. I had said in my alarm, I am cut off from your sight. But you heard the voice of my pleas for mercy when I cried to you for help. Love Yahweh, all you his saints. Yahweh preserves the faithful, but abundantly repays the one who acts in pride. Be strong and let your heart take courage, all you who wait for Yahweh. This is the word of the Lord. Let me open with this question. And it's a question you can wrestle with as a family with your kids, too. Can we pray a hymn like this? Look at some of the stuff King David said. I hate those who pay regard to worthless idols. Let the wicked be put to shame. Let them go silently to Sheol, which is a reference to death. Let them die. Kill the wicked. 
let the lying lips be mute, silence them? Can we pray like this? The answer that's yes, by the way. It's scripture. You can pray it. The Psalms, all 150 of them, are specifically songs of the early church, and they sang these to God. This is a prayer of a man in distress. This is a prayer of a man who is suffering at the hands of an enemy. And that is the lot of all Christians, whether we realize it or not, because our enemy, the devil, is against us. So we can include him as a part of this petition to the Lord, but also this can be used in those times where indeed we are feeling the weight of sorrow and suffering in this world. Not every day feels like that. So this might not be a hymn for your days where you're quite uh, cheerful. That's okay. You'll find other hymns in the Old Testament you can use for that or in your hymnal as well. But we can indeed pray a hymn like this and should. All right. So the major themes of this one, God hears prayer. God answers prayer. God defends and cares for his people. And also uh, the picture of the enemy, enemies who fight against, who oppress God's people so that he then must hear that prayer. Um, I would also point out the idea here of what point in David's life might this be a reference to. It could be early before he's considered king by the people, although he's already king when Saul is pursuing him and trying to put him to death, anointed already by, by the prophet. It could be that time. It could also be when his own son has rebelled against him and David has to flee Jerusalem. So when Absalom does that, those are two of the probably better options. David was a warrior king. He was in battle a lot. Um, but some of the language of this text makes it lean towards those times where his enemy really seemed to have the upper hand. And that wasn't the normal lot for King David as he fought his many battles. This is the man the people sang about that he killed his ten thousands. All right. So, God is our refuge, verse 1. To take refuge, shelter, he protects us from enemies. Let us never be put to shame. So, if you are viewed in shame by your enemy, they're looking upon you negatively, worthlessly. Don't allow that. In your righteousness, deliver me. And this is where you can talk about, even just verse 1 is a great family conversation point. Has God done this? Has he prevented us from being put to shame? Has he delivered us? The answer to that is yes. He has delivered us by the blood of his son, Jesus Christ, on the cross who died to take away our sins. You are forgiven. You are his. And so because of that, your enemy cannot shame you. Oh, sure, in the eyes of the world they can. They can make it seem like your life is worthless. Might be a better way to describe shame here. But ultimately, it's not. 
It doesn't matter how bad it looks in this world. I mean, think of Jesus talking about Lazarus and the rich man in Luke's gospel account. Lazarus is poor, sits outside the rich man's gate. The dogs lick his wounds, his sores. He just hopes for any crumbs that fall from the master's table. Connect a little bit there to another gospel account. And yet, Lazarus is in paradise and the rich man goes to hell. So your enemies shaming you in this world really not as important as we often make it out to be. That whole peer pressure thing, we want the world to like us. Jesus told us that the world won't like us. John 15 to 17, that lengthy section of teaching his disciples and then prayer, he very clearly says the world's going to hate us. So we, we do need to stop focusing on that. And instead, when we pray, let me never be put to shame, it's the ultimate picture of that, again, that our life has not been in vain because we have Christ. And he has redeemed us. He has delivered us. Verse 2, incline your ear to me, so hear my prayer. Rescue me speedily. Give me answer. Rock, strong fortress, save me. Rock, fortress again. So a lot of refuge, a lot of strength, defense language, giving God that honor and credit and glory. For your name's sake, you lead me and guide me. Might make us think of Psalm 23. Uh, you lead me beside still waters, restoreth my soul, making me lie down in green pastures. Also the absolution. Almighty God in his mercy has given his only son to die for you and for his sake forgives you of all your sins. The words you hear in church every weekend. The for his sake thing is so that Jesus isn't put to shame and that Jesus' life wasn't worthless. Not just his life, but his death on the cross. If If God does not guide us, if God does not lead us, if he simply were to choose now to abandon us altogether, which he can't, he has bound himself to his promise. He's given us his word and he is faithful. But just hypothetically, if he had, Jesus' life is in vain. Talk about shame. Jesus died one of the most humiliating execution methods in history. For nothing? No, not for nothing for his sake, so that it is not for nothing, so it's not in vain. Your sins are forgiven. Thanks be to God. Now, verses, well, just verse 5, actually ends up being part of our liturgy. If you've ever done the order of Compline or Compline, which is used at the close of the day, so the end of your day, this is the responsory. The responsory is how the people respond to the reading of Scripture. So let me just sing it for you. Into your hands, O Lord, I commend my spirit. Into your hands I commend my spirit. You have redeemed me, O Lord God of truth. Into your hands I commend my spirit. Glory be to the Father, and to the Son, and to the Holy Spirit. Into your hands I commend my spirit.
Some of you may be familiar with that one, uh, but I have found that most of our church body really isn't too familiar with the Order of Compline uh, because we just don't have that habit of gathering at the end of the day, nor do most of our households have the habit of making use of our hymnals in the home. Uh, there are so many services. There's services for the morning, there's services for the afternoon, there's services for the evening. We can use them. Uh, and if you can't sing certain parts, just speak them. I mean, that's just Psalm 31, verse 5, uh, sung in repetition back and forth between pastor and uh, congregation or between father and children. Um, it's doable, uh, spoken or, or, or sung if you can. Um, lead your family in worship. That's a good thing. So we use that uh, beautiful word, I, into your hand I commit my spirit. It reminds me of John 10, verses 28-29, where Jesus tells us that no one can snatch us from the Father's hand. So we, we put ourselves there. We entrust ourselves to him. I shouldn't say we put ourselves there. He put us there, right, uh, by the power of his, his word giving us faith. You have redeemed me. Again, Jesus giving us salvation by his blood on the cross. All right, so verse 6, I hate those who pay regard to worthless idols. We probably don't look at this word hate the same way that we do in English um, with the Old Testament. It's a, often a comparative word, so the idea here being to compare between the two groups. So who does he put his trust in? He doesn't put his trust in men. He puts it in God. That would be the simple way to look at it. Um, harder would be to think of hate like we do, right? So we think of hate as like a great despising, and we're told in the New Testament not to do that. 1 John 3.15 tells us that that is murder, to hate our brother in our heart. So I'd caution that one. The, the comparative, which doesn't, it's not positive. The, the comparative statement here would be that that's a negative. He, he has a dislike for them, um, just perhaps not the same way that we normally think of the word. So, those who pay regard to worthless idols, the pagans, those who worship, well, one that he would have dealt with is Dagon, D-A-G-O-N, or the Philistines, they're worthless. They don't do anything. I will rejoice, be glad in your steadfast love. One of the beautiful Old Testament Hebrew words, hesed, that we really struggle to translate. Covenant faithfulness, Loyalty, mercy, those are some of the phrases that you'll see. Steadfast love is the ESV's favorite way to go with it. So we, we trust in Yahweh, we have faith in him, we rejoice, we know of his love for us, we know that he has redeemed us, we know that he hears our prayers, and we thank him. You've delivered me from the hand of the enemy. Again, Saul, Absalom, who, who knows who this is specifically written against or about, only the Lord at this point. You have set my feet in a broad place, that is, open space, right? He's not oppressed. He's not crushed by his enemy. Be gracious to me, O Yahweh, I'm in distress. My eye is wasted from grief, my soul and body also. What leads us to think of the, the context with Saul or Absalom when things were truly pretty ugly for David for a little while compared to, um, again, him being king in Jerusalem and, and just going into battle with his enemies uh, living in a cave as he fled from Saul. It's a bit of a different look than uh, a king wearing his crown. So, faith, strength fails because of my iniquity. He credits his sin for this too. 
And this is true even of us. Our strength fails because of our iniquity. If we would not sin, if we did not sin, if we had no sin, our bodies wouldn't fail. Sin brings death. Romans 3, very clear on that. All die because all sin. I've become a reproach to my neighbors, object of dread to my acquaintances, those who see me, flee from me. Again, the picture of, of a real true hardship leaning towards Saul and Absalom. I've been forgotten like one who is dead. It's hard to imagine the, the people forgetting their king. Um, but, yeah, that's the point here is, is the despair and the grief that he's feeling as he cries out to God. We are not forgotten. So if you're crying out this prayer, it may feel that way. It may feel like the world's ignoring you, like you don't matter. Um, but God hasn't forgotten. He knows you. He knows you by name. He knows how many hairs are on your head. You are his. He's died to redeem you. He has rescued you. You're never alone. Even if it feels like you are. I hear the whispering of many terror on every side. This is uh, Magor Misaviv, terror on every side. It's what God renames uh, the priest Pashur in the book of Jeremiah who put Jeremiah in the stocks and beat him. He takes his name and turns it on him. Uh, Magor Misaviv means terror on every side. And so David cries out here. Enemies from all around. That was the point for Peshur, that his enemies would overwhelm him. They scheme to take my life. But I trust in you, Yahweh. You are my God. David puts his trust in the Lord. His faith, his hope, his fear, all of it. He knows that God provides. He knows that God will care for him. My times are in your hand. Rescue me from the hand of my enemies, my persecutors. So we certainly can pray that, right? That God would redeem us from this world. And he has, again, in Christ. Make your face shine on your servant. Save me in your steadfast love. That's the picture of look at me, right? Um, for his face to shine upon David. He's looking at David. And then again, sharing his love, faithfulness, mercy. Save me, which he has in Christ. Yahweh, let me not be put to shame, for I call upon you. So let us pray to the Lord. Instead, let the wicked be put to shame. Let them go silently to Sheol. Flip the fortunes, as the, the world might say it here. Don't let their evils be seen. Let them go silently to Sheol. Let them die unheard from. Let them be the ones forgotten. Let them be the ones shamed. Silence lying lips. Let the lying lips be mute. That's uh, one of the hard sections of the prayer for many Christians to want to pray, but at the same time, it's a prayer that lets God's work be done. Stop those who lie about God. Stop those who would lie about the Christian and tear down their reputation, making it harder for them to preach Christ. Put them to shame. So that the world will actually then be more receptive to hearing from the Christian. How abundant is your goodness? There's no question mark there, but you can ask your kids about that and talk about it the abundant goodness of God in your own family, in your own life, which you have stored up for those who fear you. 
a fantastic image, right? When you stop and think about it, uh, that God has this store, a uh, giant storehouse of his goodness, his love, his mercy, his forgiveness, his grace, and he just pours it out on us. It's a never-ending supply. And God worked his goodness for those who take refuge in him. God has displayed his salvation. He's worked it so you can see it in the sight of the children of man. Exodus, the plagues, as God showed his power so the Egyptians would come to know their their pagan gods were false and that they would instead repent and trust in him. Some of them did. It's the purpose of Exodus 7 verse 5 given for why the plagues happened as they did. He's doing this in the sight of David, rescuing him so that the world can see his favor upon his kingdom. And then he does this ultimately through Jesus. As we see the the wonders of God's salvation displayed before man. The weakness of God, the power of the cross, is stronger than men. You hide us in the cover of your presence, so God shelters us. He protects us from wicked plots, from wicked words of our enemies in this world. He cares for us. Blessed be Yahweh, who has wondrously shown his steadfast love to me. I was besieged. I cried out. David thought he was cut off, but he wasn't. God heard his pleas. God answered his pleas. God rescued him. So David's going to wrap this one up, calling for us to praise God, which singing the hymn does, and trusting that the Lord is faithful. He preserves us, and he also takes vengeance against those who would harm us. So be strong, take courage, all who wait for the Lord, that is us. Because Christ has come, Christ has conquered Satan, Christ has conquered even sin and death, and he is risen, he is risen indeed, hallelujah. And because he lives, we live forevermore. Amen.